You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, when you hear that expression to follow your nose, mm-hmm. that means you've smelled something beautiful and attractive, an aroma that just draws you in. Right, yeah, it's a beautiful smell, it's a wonderful fragrance. Well, today, as we enter in the tabernacle again, we're going to encounter a fragrance that is unique, and we're going to find out what it symbolizes today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Ink. Well, good morning and welcome to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And this is More Than Ink. And we are here talking about the book of Exodus. Yes. And we come today to the one piece of furniture that is in the tabernacle that we didn't come to before. It got it left off. show up on the list. Yeah, weird. And it's placed in this place for a reason. So we're yeah. going to be talking about that today, the, the altar of incense and the incense that's burned on it. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of the, to start off here, how fragrant is is incense, right? I hmm. I am a person who is highly reactive to fragrances, and if there's too much <laughs> incense in the air, and we do run into it occasionally, that it makes me sneeze, and well, I have to back away. Yeah, I always right? remember when we walk in front of those candle stories in the right. mall, and the smell comes right. out, and you go, Ugh. But this is a unique incense that you didn't smell anywhere else. In fact, we're going to read in a minute how you were forbidden from using yeah, this particular fragrance in yeah. any other way yeah. than right there in the tabernacle. Now, this is interestingly out of place because I, you have to go back to chapter 25 mm-hmm. for us to talk about the things that were inside the right, tabernacle. Right, the furniture. You know, in terms of like the Ark of the Covenant and the, the showbread table and all that kind of stuff, the big golden lampstand. Those are all back there. And if, if you were to walk into the tabernacle, that front door of the tabernacle in that first room, you would see those three things for sure. But then you'd also see this, the altar of incense. And and okay, it, but this is very small. It's very small, but inter- isn't it interesting that it wasn't covered then? So we'll kind of see if we can answer that question as we go along here. It's it's really quite unique. It's been pulled out all by itself. And and we've, just to remind you, we've covered how to build the tabernacle. That was in chapter 26. We've covered what goes inside the tabernacle, with the exception of this, you know, in 25. We've talked about the people who do stuff inside the tabernacle, the high priests and stuff like that. We, we've talked about what goes on in the altar outside. We've talked about all that stuff. We've got it covered. We even got the courtyard covered and what goes on. But this is left off. So here we are. We're going back inside the tabernacle. Well, okay. And it comes in the text right following that statement at the end of chapter 29 where it says there I'll meet with you there I'll meet with the people of Israel to consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar I will dwell among the people so there's all those I will statements by God so at the end of chapter 29 we've just been drawn into this very intensely personal encounter Mm -hmm. with God Mm -hmm. and then the next thing we find is the altar of incense. Is this. So maybe it has something to do with meeting with God. Mm. This has a really powerful picture to it. So see if you can figure it out what it means as we read along. So shall we start into chapter 30? Let's just Mm -hmm. look at it. So uh, I'll read for us. Verse 1 of chapter 30. So you shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth and it shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. 
Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay with pure gold its top and around its sides and its horns, and you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Ah, back to the golden rings. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Let's stop right Yeah, there. let's stop there. Yeah, so now we have this relatively small, small thing. You know, it's 18 inches square on the top and about waist high. It's about three feet tall. So it's, it's a small thing, and all we're burning on it is incense. And it's completely covered with gold. Completely covered with gold. And very close to the veil right. before you go into the Holy of Holies. I mean, very close right there. And now, you know, incense is kind of a foreign thing to a lot of us in Western culture. I, For me, I remember my closest connection with incense is way back in the hippie 60s. <laughs> you know, and, and incense was a cool thing to burn in apartments of friends and stuff like that because... You know, okay, uh, but it came out of Eastern, the Eastern influence, yeah, Eastern right? When there influence. was a lot of Indian philosophy and, they, and, they and religion. still do it to this right. day. So if you smell incense burning in a house, it's it's really quite distinctive and it has many different smells. I mean, you can compose the incense so many different ways, but it's a it's usually a little smoking. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Thing oh, like a wick, like a like wick, a, yeah. yeah. And as it as it burns, it smokes, and the smoke goes into the air. And it's the smell of the smoke that's really pleasant. That's what we're talking about here. And so we have a place to do that right in front of the veil. Okay, and probably we should say at this point that the Hebrews were not the only people who no, burned no. incense in their worship. Right, right? right. Many many religions of all speeds mm-hmm. and varieties right. burn incense because of the symbolism of that smoke rising up to the right, gods right so this is this is an important picture and it, and the fact that it is indeed outside the holy of holies but very close to the holy of holies says something about what it's trying to picture for us well and it's all covered with gold so it's associated with those pieces of furniture that are there in the holy place right and it has a holy purpose and it's set apart for this actually we didn't read far enough for me i i blew the <laughs> I blew the surprise, verse 6, and you shall put it in front of the veil. Okay, there there it is. is. There it is. Yeah, put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of testimony, in front of the mercy seat that's above the testimony where I'll meet with you. I will meet with you. So so why would God place such uh, uh, an interesting symbol, an interesting graphic for us? Like, you know, picture it again. You walk in the court of the tabernacle. You walk past the altar where sacrifices are done. You walk in the front door uh, on the eastern side of the tabernacle proper. Now, you can't do this unless you're a priest, but you go through that, and now you're in that front room of the tabernacle, and there on your right is the table with the bread. On your left is the big golden lampstand. And as you continue to go forward to aim toward going into the Holy of Holies, you're stopped just before the veil, by this looks like a, a little nightstand that's covered with gold and it's got smoke coming off of it that smells really nice okay What's so the picture well you just said something though that we probably need to clarify and that is that other priests were allowed to come and yeah. go in this holy in place the front, front room. right the only yeah. one who went into the most holy place the yeah. holy of holy places was the high priest and that's why significance that this altar is called most holy most holy, right because it's yeah. associated with that duty assigned to only the high right. priest he's the in only fact, one that wasn't that what zacharias the father john the baptist was doing when the to burn angel incense yeah. yeah, he went in to burn incense. He was doing it at this thing itself when this angel came to him and said, your, your mm-hmm. prayers have been answered. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's just interesting. It's one more thing before you actually get through the veil into the Holy of Holies. It's right there, 
right outside it. Let's just keep reading. Yeah, so what does he do? <laughs> gain, gain some more insight into that. So I'll reread six again. And you shall put in front, put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. So that's the ark of the covenant. Verse seven, and Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. And every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall not offer unauthorized incense on it. I like that, unauthorized mm-hmm. incense. <laughs> or a burnt offering, right, of animals. Or a grain offering, you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. And with the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most, most holy. holy to the Lord. That's our whole instructions on the altar of incense. And it's in a very prominent place. Okay, but did you hear it? Atonement, atonement, atonement. Atonement, atonement, atonement. Right. Yep. Yep. But there's, didn't we have atonement when we sacrificed animals outside in the courtyard? Well, and this apparently is some of the blood is brought in. Is brought in. To put on the, right. the altar of incense. Right. So in a sense, you can say that atonement is not accomplished on this little altar, but this little altar benefits from that. Atonement. Ah, 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 ah. That's important. And and isn't it interesting that in the previous chapter we're told about the sacrifices, morning and twilight, and here we have then after that the the burning of the fragrant incense in the morning and in and at twilight. So at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. Right. Right. Yeah. So what is going on? What is this picture? And why does it have to be physically so close to the veil that's just on the other side of the Ark of the Covenant? Well, you know, the in the the visual imagery of the incense with that smoke rising up has always, and as I said before, in other religions even, symbolized prayer. Yes. Right? Which prayer. rises to the heavens. Yeah. So let's work on that as the symbol. Well, Revelation tells us, <laughs> yeah, actually, right. Revelation 5, 8, and in chapter 8, 3, and 4, that the, Very clear. the bowls carry this fragrant incense that is the prayers of the saints. Yeah, I've got it here. It's it's really pretty overt in the, the Re- Revelation 5 passage verse 8 and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints Mm -hmm. so this incense you know which when you burn it goes into the air and it kind of dissipates in this particular sense he's saying these prayers like incense rise up but they're actually collected by God in a golden bowl. They don't he just dissipate right. you know, in the air. They're, they're something, it's precious. So if you see prayer as something that kind of rises up from us and, and, and makes its way into the presence of God, and is it a pleasing smell to God? Yes. It is. It's a pleasing aroma. It's incense, and that's the whole point. It's in stark contrast in terms of what you're smelling as you're experiencing the tabernacle to the killing that's going on of the animals outside and the roasting of the meat and all that kind of stuff. You get you get here just on the in the, on the doorstep of coming in the presence of God, and here these prayers are something that is supposed to symbolize the fact that it's, it's sweet in God's smelling is the prayers of the saints. It's sweet. And and I might add as well, it's interesting that um, its placement next to the next to the veil is interesting because although although we are not permitted to come into the Holy of Holies, our prayers do. 
They, they make their way through the veil into the very presence of God. And that says a lot about our prayers, too. I mean, we may be tainted with sin and can't come in the presence of a holy God, but our prayers make it, and they ascend, and they smell sweet to God. That's what the picture of the incense is. I, I found one place in the Psalms where um, David actually writes in mm-hmm. Psalm 141. He says, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. So this is a prayer. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense right. before you. And the lifting up of my hands is the evening sacrifice. So he even says that overtly, that you know what we saw in Revelation. Let my prayer be counted as incense, right. rising up to you for you to smell. So yeah, this incense is the prayers of God's people coming into His presence. And that opens the idea that that you know when Jesus says, "I'll dwell within you, my Spirit will be in you," that yeah. this holy place, this holy of holies, becomes in us where we yes. meet with God. And so, as our prayers rise, we are freed from having to go to the tabernacle and burn the stuff and do the thing and offer the do animal. All, that external all stuff. of that takes place in yeah. the realm of the Spirit. When we are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, and I might add too that the nice, the nice smell, and we're going to look at the recipe for this mm-hmm. incense in a second. But the nice smell is is it's so wonderful in so many respects, and uh, and, and it's so pleasing to smell. Now I went into a lot of strange shops in the '60s with the hippies <laughs> where it didn't smell that great, but it was strong and it was very different. And it permeates, and it actually, permeates, it penetrates, yeah, it fills the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like the picture of it being on the other side of the veil from from mm-hmm. where God, you know, is in that particular sense with it. Because even though we're not allowed in there, our prayers do make it in. And, and it does too. This, this smell would permeate and actually go through the veil. So it's a wonderful statement of hope about the efficacy of our prayers. Does God listen to us? Are our prayers actually reaching to where he is? Does he, does he even care that we pray? Do our prayers, are our prayers good to him to smell or not? Well, they are. He delights them and he collects them in a golden bowl, according to Revelation. It, our prayers are not only effective, but it's something that God loves to smell, if you want to put the metaphor in that way. It's something that's pleasing to him. So if you're in a position where you're praying because of needs or whatever it is, and you wonder, does God really care about me? Remember the fact that your prayers are rising up to him very naturally in a way that he's smelling them and going, yes, that's a sweet smell to me, the prayers of the saints. I would even go beyond that to the idea that the that we, because we're indwelt by the Spirit, we mm-hmm. smell good to God because yeah. His very presence is in us. And Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians too, when he says, "We are uh, God always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma, the sweet aroma right. of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God." among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Right. So to some right. it smells good and to some it doesn't smell good, but no. it is the indisputable evidence of the aroma yeah. of the presence of God. Yeah, it's a unique smell to them. And depending on where you're at with God, it can either, can either spell doom or great hope. One of those two. That's what he's saying. But there's no getting around it. The fact is, is that you are, you are making a fragrance where you go. And how it's received is different. But never be discouraged about whether your prayers are being listened to. Because what God's saying very strongly here is there, there is no barrier that stops your prayers from coming into the very presence of God. Nothing. And he, and he loves the smell of it. Loves the smell of it. Yeah. I was thinking, too, there's, a, there's an event that happens in Acts. Remember, remember that centurion Cornelius up in Caesarea? Yeah. And he's, he's, he's uh, eventually 
um, Peter comes up to him and baptizes the house and stuff like that. Well, it said it said in that passage that when, uh, he, like three in the afternoon, an angel appears to him as he's doing his devotions, and the angel says, uh, "Your oh, prayers, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have ascended to ah. God." So it's that same kind of idea, right? Your prayers have ascended as a memorial before God. It, it's very incensey in its language, right there. So. Hmm, that sets me thinking about, you know, I've been doing some studying on prayer. And when Jesus said, when they asked him, teach us to pray, and he said, pray this way, our Father who's in heaven, mm-hmm. right? Just underscoring that God is separate. He's other. He is above you. Right, right. However, and we've talked about this a lot, there's a tension here in the tabernacle where, where God is stating clearly he wants to be with us and mm-hmm. be in our midst. Right. And yet when when he specifies his tabernacle, his tent, you can't come into the very core where he is. So he wants to be with you, but you can't come all the way in. And again, that's because of sin. We've talked a lot about this very clearly figured in the imagery of the altar and so much. And yet, be, even though we are excluded from walking into his presence because of our sin, that does not mean that he disregards our prayers. And that's, that was clear for Cornelius, you know, when he does it. He's praying, and it, they ascended to God, and it doesn't matter that he's a— He's a Gentile centurion of the Roman army. His prayers <laughs> still make it up into the presence of God and smell sweet, and God responds to it. Mm. Yeah. Let's come back to the actual fragrance again before we read the rest of this passage, okay. because in the consecration of Aaron, remember, he was anointed with a particular oil, and oh, we'll yeah, talk right. about the oil in, in a week or two. Uh, but again, it had a very special recipe. It smelled in a particular way that was only yes. associated with the ministry of the priest who served God on your behalf. And you weren't and supposed it, to use that recipe for, for the oil any other, any thing. other place. Right. right. And here we have the high priest closely associated with burning the incense. So that is going to permeate his garments when he goes in and does that oh, and comes out. He's going to smell like what he's just been doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, that he is... How do you put this? He's enabling the prayers of the saints. He's a, he's, mm-hmm. he's actually in the he's actually in a role where as high priest he's making it so that the prayers right he's offering ascend. them up. Mm-hmm. He's offering them up. Yeah. It's through his service that the prayers ascend. Yeah, and since this is an altar, in a way, it's it's really saying that there's there's something being accomplished here that's different from the altar outside where the animals are sacrificed. But there's something being accomplished here. That glorifies and serves God, and that very thing is the offering up of our prayers. In a sense, it's like those are a sacrifice as well, because Which it's an altar. comes after, right? The sacrifice outside for comes sin first, right? and right. then going in and offering the the uh, fragrant incense on yeah. this altar. Yeah, yeah. It's and you know, as as we stand inside the holy place, that's the first room in the tabernacle. Now we have all the elements in there. Right, left is the golden lampstand. Right mm-hmm. is the table with the showbread. Straight ahead, just before the veil, is this is this little table with the incense. And as you stand and look at those three things, you can ask yourself, you know, what are these three these three things separately telling us? And we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The, the bread speaks a lot of fellowship, breaking bread with somebody. Um, it, it talks really about meeting with God. Yeah, it's called it the bread of the presence. Bread so of the presence. you're sitting yeah. at the table with God. Sitting with God. So it's very fellowship meeting oriented. And then on the left, you've got that lampstand that's just providing light in a dark place. So now you have light, you have uh, understanding of the way things are, you have 
truth. I mean, a lot of aspects of who God is from that. And then straight ahead, you have these prayers that are offered up that make their way, regardless of the veil, into the presence of God. It's it's just really that's the that's the outer room before you come in the presence of God. Is you know a lot about who God is just based on that outer room. Yeah. Let's read on. Yeah. So we're going to skip ahead in chapter thirty because there's some interesting things we'll come to next time. Uh, you, you know, the bronze labor and stuff like that. There's a, there's a few more items we need to look at, but we're going to skip down to the end where we actually get the recipe for the incense. Yeah, and it happens in verse 34. You in verse 34, I'll read. read. I'll read. So the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacte and onicha and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each, there shall be an equal part. So this is actual recipe. It's a recipe. And make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small mm. and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever mm. makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. Wow. So this is completely Serious. unique, not yep. for any other use. Yep. Yep. Completely unique. And I like that he starts it by saying, take sweet spices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not, not, acrid spices but take sweet spices so again the idea is that the smell of this will be pleasant it smells good pleasant it's attractive and in and as it rises up visually it's attractive and pleasant in god's smelling as well yeah it's a fragrance that he likes is what you're trying to say which is why we're doing this and and we don't want to use this incense just to kind of make your house smell good <laughs> you don't want to use it for any other purpose right because what it wants to do is be the unique representation of our prayers to God. That's what it represents. And every time you smell that, you should think prayer. This is the fragrance of intimacy with God. Exactly. Which yeah. again takes us back to that Second Corinthians 2 passage, that he manifests the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Why? Because we've been in intimate fellowship with him. And yes. we smell like it. Yeah. Yeah. And we smell like it. It, we so we so undersell what prayer, the value of prayer, not only to us but to our relationship with God. And I I don't know why that is. Is I, I think in the modern church we tend to think prayer is just kind of well, it's something thinking. we have to do. Right. It's a ritual. It's a right. thing we do. It's a duty. Right. I, and it is that, but it is more. It is an enjoying of a communion. Yeah. Enjoying of a relationship, and yeah. it doesn't always involve words. It doesn't always involve words. And we forget the fact that it's something that's tremendously pleasing in fragrance to God. If he you loves are, it. If you are with someone that you love and mm -hmm. who is profoundly committed to your good, right. you don't always have to be talking to enjoy their company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can just be with them and enjoy the quiet fragrance of their presence. Yep. And that, I think, is, is involved in the picture here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a very beautiful thing. I think it's one of the most striking images in the entire tabernacle design. Not only, well, I think it is. I mean, not only what it is in terms of, in terms of smelling it, but what it does in terms of rising by itself to where God is in terms of 
broaching the barriers like the veil into God's presence. And, and in a way, it's like the last thing before you come in the presence of God is the fact that it, your prayers come into the presence of God first. I, th- I think that's just, it's just a striking symbol. I think that's why he set it apart so we cover it here rather than we did five mm-hmm. chapters before because he's really putting a special spotlight on it right here. This is a very special thing. It finishes the what's inside the tabernacle, but in a, in a funny place because like, like you mentioned at the end of the last chapter, God wants to meet with us and it starts with prayer. Ah, it, make, it just makes a whole ton of sense that it would be right here. Well, it starts with a sacrifice. Well, no, and then I know. Followed by, I mean, just before you come into God's right. presence is prayers. What you know, you might think. Oh, I that see I'm, what you're saying. I'm yeah. separated okay. from God. I can't come into His presence, but my prayers can. Right, and yeah. this this altar is right there, associated with the holy holiest of holy places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. This is like the only thing in the most holy place that actually is outside the veil, mm-hmm. and that's the prayers of the saints. Yeah. So they could see it. Don't you love that? The the smoke rising is just a visual representation of prayer rising. It's lovely. Because the idea is God is up, and our prayers just naturally go up. They make it to him. There's nothing that stops them. I'm going to read this Revelation 8 passage. Because now that we have such a full picture, it'd be a great way to cap this off. This is Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. That's the thing that burns the incense. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Wow. That's how precious and central our prayers are in God's economy for us. Amazing. Well, we got one minute. Any closing thoughts? <laughs> now, I am just captivated by the the idea of the sweet fragrance. The sweet fragrance. Of being in God's presence, and it is unique. It's not yeah. something that you experience anywhere else. Yeah. You think this smell leaked out from the tabernacle to the people outside? I think it was associated. I mean, it was on the garments of the high priest. Yeah. So yeah. everywhere he went, he would have smelled like it. If he was wearing those garments, yeah. you would have smelled him. Yeah. And if they caught the symbology, which I think they did, they'd say, my prayers have been brought into the mm-hmm. presence of God himself. Yeah. And that would be evidence just because of this wafting from the high priest. I think it is. I think the smell is there for them to realize that. So anyway, we've done... The, the altar of incense. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. Wonderful symbology. Next week we'll come back, we'll fill out some more items that are in the tabernacle area as we meet together on More Than, Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Oh, man. Stupid. My tongue just got tight. I got so excited I couldn't say anything.